Hin told her mom, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm scared, come get me, it's getting dark. Two members of the Palestinian civil defense went to try to reach Hind, and they were never heard from again. There's like a Tantura every day. Yehuda Wall, the director of the Religious Zionism Party, confessed Israeli occupation army, quote, torched houses as many as possible and we are proud of it, reporting that it's actually part of Israel's policy to burn down as many Palestinian houses as possible. Zionist youth blocking humanitarian aid and yelling at a Palestinian that he was a slave. Where would a child get the idea that it's okay to yell that somebody is going to be your slave? And why don't black people support this genocide? <laughs> people who are brainwashed will be like, why can't two million Gazans just go to Egypt? And then they'll be aghast at the idea that people who have dual citizenship go back to where they're from. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you believe that the Grammys were hijacked and we all know 9-11 hijackers took over the planes by saying ceasefire. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, please reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week. It's called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. I have been posting about it nonstop, but I want to put it on the public record also here on the Palestine Pod, the story of Hind. And I think the reason why... It's so traumatic is because listening to a child terrified, begging for help, pleading for help, having it all be recorded, knowing that that child is surrounded by Israeli tanks, knowing that that child is all alone, knowing that that child is surrounded by the dead bodies of her family members who were killed moments earlier including her cousin Layan, who called the emergency services and said, please come get us. We're surrounded by tanks. They're firing on us. And then we heard Layan shriek and scream and be murdered. Knowing that her mother spent time on the phone with her, reading her Quran, and that Hin told her mom, mom, I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm scared. I'm hurt. Come get me. It's getting dark. I'm scared of the dark. Knowing that two members of the Palestinian civil defense went to try to reach Hind, and they were never heard from again. And knowing that Hind's mom said that the last she heard of Hind, last phone call she had with her daughter was a phone call where the last thing she heard was the car door open. That combination of events is enough to make any mother's heart stop. Just from the from, from just the combination of events. The knowing that your child who's six years old is that scared 
and that alone, and that there's nothing you can do except be on the phone with them, is a form of torture in and of itself. That's torture. That's actually torture. That's like, you know, George Bush enhanced interrogation techniques. This is torture. That's torture for the mother. That's torture for all the family members. That's torture for every single person with a conscience and a heart who listened to those phone calls. You're torturing humanity by creating these circumstances. But first and foremost, her mother and all of her family members and her and her, this six-year-old child. It's now been over a week. She hasn't been heard from. And the options are all equally heart-wrenching. She starved to death. She was dehydrated to death. She was scared to death. She got a heart attack. The Israeli soldiers picked her up, raped her, killed her, introduced her into a human trafficking ring, abducted her. What are the options? Best case scenario, the door opened and it was the civil defense. When they were on their way back with her, they all got shot and killed because that's, they also have disappeared since. What are the options? There's no options here that, that, that are good. Here's something also. The Israeli occupation said, we're not familiar with the incident. That's a really suspect thing to say when we actually heard the Israeli tank fire on the emergency calls. The occupation is like, we're not familiar with the incident because we're busy pimping out the memory of Anne Frank. It's like if Anne Frank had audio. What are we, like, how, how are we supposed to, we're, so we're supposed to just take that and be like, yeah, this is normal. This is a normal, this is war. This is just war. It's just a war. You know, this is, this is, by the way, that's the new Zionist thing, right? War, the, the Elon Levy, right? Is that his name? War is terrible, you know, like, do, do you think we wanted to do this? Like, war is terrible. So now they're like, it's just not our fault. That's just what war is. We do think you wanted to do this because of your explicit plans to do this. Yeah. And you're salivating at the mouth and you're taking every opportunity possible to go on the internet and gleefully proclaim to the world that you kill children, that you're excited about it, that you don't know how many Palestinians you've killed because because you don't count anymore. I saw that video today. They're relying on the Gaza Health Ministry's numbers for their own internal security briefings because they know that they are just shelling houses with residential families and then moving to the next block to destroy more structures and people and people's lives. Everywhere they go, death follows. You know, it's been a week and a half since the ICJ rendered its order on provisional measures. It's safe to say that Israel is every single second in flagrant violation of that order. We continue to see settlers protesting the delivery of humanitarian aid in Gaza at the various crossings, and they are succeeding in actually blocking the aid. And then if the aid does make it through, it's being targeted by missiles from the Israeli occupation. They are literally targeting both aid trucks and aid distribution. So people will form a crowd to get aid because they are being starved by the occupation, and the occupation will take that opportunity to drop a missile on a civilian population who is starving. Yes, Al Jazeera showed that video of Palestinians gathering for aid distribution and then being fired on and then running away. And then we also saw the picture being circulated on social media today of an Unruh truck that was filled with aid that had actually been hit by a tank shell, a missile, I don't know exactly what it was, but aid was obviously rendered unusable and unfit for distribution. And all of this comes on the heels of the ICJ order, which had an explicit provisional measure saying that they had to ensure the delivery of humanitarian aid and services, and that 
there's no way around this, right? You can't, you can't say we didn't do this because they were Hamas, right? Because the thing is, is what they've been doing with the provisional measure instructing them not to kill Palestinians is saying, oh, well, okay, we just don't have to kill them if it's genocidal, i.e. if if the intent is genocidal. But if we can, we can keep killing them if, if we can, if we just say we're going after Hamas. So they've been interpreting it in bad faith in this way to, to, to continue to try to justify their killing of Palestinians. But you don't, you can't even do that with the one about humanitarian aid. There is no, there's no possible way out of this. And the fact that this continues to be so blatantly violated, shows just how bad faith they are and how intent they are on continuing this genocide. It shows how this genocidal campaign is being carried out and executed at all levels of the occupation's society, right? From the lowest of the low, there are children there who are blocking the aid trucks, getting in, singing songs to your, you know, city councilmen who are there all the way up to the very top where obviously they said they were going to impose a total siege of food, water, and power. This brings me to something I wanted to discuss, which was the poll that was released. Have you heard about this? There was a poll that was carried out by Tel Aviv University in November 2023. And it consulted about 600 individuals, 506 Jewish Israeli respondents, and 103 Palestinians with Israeli citizenship. And what's really, really alarming from this poll is the question asking about whether the individual believes that Israel is using an appropriate amount of force or not enough force. And it's really, really scary because what you see is that over 90% of the Jewish Israeli respondents believe that Israel is either using an appropriate amount of force or too little amount of force. So, and hold on. Yeah. And the worst part is, is that actually the majority, nearly 60%, believe that Israel is using too little firepower. Too little. So basically, the assault, which has now been confirmed as plausibly genocidal by the ICJ, but which we already know is definitely genocidal because we have eyes, is in the perspective of the majority of Jewish Israelis as being not enough. Not enough death and destruction. And when I say the majority, it's nearly 60%. And over 90% say it's either appropriate or not enough. And so that brings us to the fact. It really makes you wonder what will satisfy their bloodlust, right? Like how many bodies is enough for them? If this is not enough, it reminds me of that time I saw a newscaster on television where they were like, too many people are being gunned down by the police. And it's like, okay, what's the right number? You know what I mean? Because what you're saying presupposes that there's like a sweet spot that you'd be happy with. And so what's that number actually? Sound like fucking Goldilocks. The rest of the poll is also very alarming. The respondents are asked about what the ultimate like preferable solution is to this whole situation, right? And they were asked about various options to which extent they support those solutions. So first, with respect to the creation of an independent Palestinian state next to Israel, 
i.e. the two-state solution, 50% of Jewish Israelis said that they very much oppose it, right? Only about 30% said they very much support or moderately support. But again, you had basically half that said they very much oppose and about 15% that said they moderately oppose. So again, you have the majority of Israelis saying that they oppose the two-state solution. Okay, so what solution are they in favor of, right? You ask them, are you in favor of a binational state with equal rights for Jews and Palestinians? Listen to this. The overwhelming majority are opposed. 63% are very much opposed. 20% are moderately opposed. So now you have 80%, just over 80% that are opposed to a state with equal rights. You were like, what solution do they support? The final solution. Well, we're getting there, Michael. So they were also asked about a solution where... Israel would annex the occupied territories, i.e. steal the remaining 22% of historic Palestine, which is occupied Gaza and the occupied West Bank, right? Annexation of those territories so that they can finally steal 100% of Palestine with then limited rights for Palestinians, i.e. the apartheid solution. And guess what? Guess how many people supported that solution? Before you tell me, 90%. (laughs) 30% are in favor of this solution. So one third of their population outright wants to annex Gaza and the West Bank entirely, as as they've been saying recently, from the river to the sea. Correct. And have limited rights for Palestinians. And then they were asked, what do you think about continuing the existing situation? I.e., Israel has divided Palestine into various geographic bits, with each one having different rules for the Palestinians that inhabit that part of the land. Sort of like Bantu stands, if you will. Right. And that's a very interesting response as well, because continuing the existing situation actually didn't have a lot of support. So you only had 4.5% very much in favor and 13% moderately in favor. And then you had about nearly 50% very much opposed to continuing the existing situation and also uh, 27% moderately opposed. So you have an overwhelming majority of Jewish Israelis that are opposed to continuing the status quo. But then when you ask them, what about equal rights? What about everyone just having the same rights? They say, no, not that. When you ask them, what about the two-state solution? They say, no, not that. And when you ask them, what about um, just stealing the rest of the land and making keeping the Palestinians as having limited rights? One third are like, that's the solution. And the rest just don't know. Which is silly because they were like, we don't we don't want things to keep going as they are. And it's like, well, a third of you just voted for that. Sort of like how companies own multiple products, but just have different labels. Right. So you're like, I'm not buying the thing that I'm boycotting. I'm buying this other product owned by the same person. They're like, we don't want the current state of affairs. We want the full on genocidal campaign with another name. That's it's the same thing, just a different name. Absolutely. I want to go through some of the things that have happened since the ICJ order has been rendered, just to highlight exactly how much worse the situation has gotten. Israel has continued its genocidal assault, killing well over a thousand Palestinians in the time since the ICJ order has been rendered. It was confirmed by Haaretz that the 72 Virgins telegram where Jewish Israelis are salivating about the carnage, the image of Palestinian families being pulled from the rubble and toddlers being completely bloodied and being killed and 
mothers and fathers and children being injured was actually an operation of the Israeli occupation army itself. And that was confirmed by an Israeli newspaper. And so this actually now is going to be an extremely relevant piece of evidence for the legal analysis on genocidal intent going forward in the ICJ case, because now it's not just random Jewish Israelis. Now it's actually the army who is carrying out the assault. And it speaks exactly to their frame of mind. And, you know, I I don't want to go into it because it's extremely disturbing. But if you just Google some of the things that they have said on this telegram, I think the words will literally take your breath away. They are that nauseating. A Palestinian man who was searching for food for his family was shot by an Israeli sniper, and then he became food for starving cats. And a photograph was taken um, that circulated on social media showing his body laying on pavement next to his bicycle and the cats all over his body and around his body. Yehuda Wald, who's the director of the Religious Zionism Party and a military officer, actually confessed that the Israeli occupation army, quote, torched houses as many as possible, and we are proud of it. And then that was followed by reporting that it's actually part of Israel's policy to burn down as many Palestinian houses as possible. Belgium refused to cut aid to UNRWA, And as a form of retaliation, the very next day, Israel bombed the office of the Belgian Agency for Development Cooperation in Gaza. We also saw a video of armed Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank stealing livestock from Palestinian farmers and treating uh, those sheep um, in a very abusive, very disturbing manner. Back in Gaza, we also saw a video of an Israeli a soldier uh, in a tank or in some sort of a position um, pointing his firearm at uh, horses, and he fired on and killed horses in Gaza for fun. I saw video footage of an Israeli soldier forcing a busload of kidnapped Palestinians to praise his family by name and say that they want to be his family's slaves. We also saw Zionist youth blocking humanitarian aid and yelling at a Palestinian bus driver, it seemed, that he was a slave, right? So this this symbolism of Palestinians being Israelis' slaves has come up multiple times in the same week. Really quick, let's let's sit with that for a second, right? A child who is blocking aid from entering a genocide yelled at one of the aid workers that he is a slave. Now, where would a child get the idea that A, blocking an aid truck is a good idea, And B, that it's okay to yell that somebody else is going to be your slave, right? Where have we seen that type of stuff before? And why don't black people support this genocide? Yeah, Yeah, right. Man, you know, you said it on a podcast that I was watching. I've been watching. Guys, if you haven't seen Michael's, he's been making the tours around some various podcasts. And it's actually allowed me to discover some podcasts that I thought were really cool. And I did not know existed. Like, I I thought this Bad Hospital podcast was a great idea. Yeah, shout out Matt Lieb. He just had me on the podcast. Shout out Habibi House. Just was on the podcast with a bunch of 
dope guys basically made that point saying that like one of the things that zionists are like having a big meltdown about is they're realizing that black people don't support them and they were like well you know because they want their solidarity they want black people to support them because they want they, they're like no no we're the victims we're look we're victims like you like we're the same and black people are like no what are you talking about you know so there was a zionist lady who basically said about black people that they should support jews juliana Mar marguilis mark oh yeah this was from a few weeks ago but yeah she's this like d-rate actor yeah i literally have no idea who this lady is okay she was on the good wife and i used to like that show and i'm upset about it okay well i'm terribly sorry for your loss but anyway <laughs> she said because I want to say to them, you fucking idiots, you don't exist. Like, you're even lower than the Jews. A, you're black. And B, you're gay. And you're turning your back against the people who support you. Wait, that's that was her quote? That's her quote. Oh my god, it was so watered down when it was reported on by, like, the celeb news, like... Like, you know what I mean? Like the E and all these outlets. Dude, all of these Zionists are now taking BLM out their bio because they're recognizing that like black people and specifically black people who are interested in liberation are not fucking with their genocide. No, no, no. I mean, maybe the black people raising the hand at the Security Council are fucking with their genocide. You know, those... Uh... Or if you're a press secretary for Genocide Joe, do have a black woman that they towed out as their token occasionally. Sure. I mean, there's like 12 people. You'll, you'll always find one. Like, you'll in every community, you'll always find the one who will accept the check to go do the thing and be the agent of white supremacy in every community. Yeah. Like Nas Daily. Yeah. Yeah, we've got one. Stands for making you nauseous daily. <laughs> That's good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, look, um, I want to keep, I just want to finish this list that I have here. Another terrible thing happened. Literally been dozens of mass graves reported on throughout this genocide outside of Al-Shifa Hospital, outside of Nasser Complex, a mass grave that was dug for bodies that were stolen and then returned. That happened once and then it happened again. But then that time, the second time it happened, I remember seeing literal bones, like bags of bones that were returned by the Israeli occupation. And we, we just buried bones. Like, so... What they are doing with our dead bodies, I don't know, but it's like the word mass grave in association with this moment has a number of stories that have been associated with it and a number of events that have been associated with it. And some, some days it feels like I am seeing reports of a mass grave being dug on an almost daily basis. So if that doesn't scream genocide, I literally don't know what would. But there was this mass grave in particular in the sense that it was discovered to contain 30 handcuffed, blindfolded, and executed bodies in a school in northern Gaza, in a school. And, you know, of course, Israel has made no comment about this, or if they have, it's basically been to say, we'll look into it and we'll, you'll never hear from it. You know, you'll never hear about it again. They're unaware of the event. There will be a researcher who does a ton of documentation, gets testimony, and then they'll ruin that guy's life too. His name, Theodore Katz Jr. 
There's like a Tantura every day happening right now. Literally every day. We also saw a headline from CNN, which said that Palestinians are eating grass and drinking polluted water as famine looms across Gaza. Of course, it's not exactly famine. It's more like forced starvation. Starvation, of course, being a crime against humanity. And in this context, it's actually being used as a weapon of genocide. So it satisfies the element of genocide having to do with creating conditions of life which are designed to destroy the people in whole or in part. So that is happening. The media is taking part in the genocide by describing it as a famine because a famine is a shortage of goods, right? There is no shortage. There are goods waiting at the fucking crossing. It's not a shortage. There is aid available. They are being actively starved by the occupation. At the same time, I also saw people that I follow posting that their family members, including children, have just run out of food. We also saw reports of three children who have starved to death in northern Gaza. And just remember that we're not actually getting the news of all the children that are starving to death. Like, remember what Plestia said, you're not seeing everything, you're not hearing everything, not everything is being reported on. Some people never find someone to tell their story. Some people aren't able to share their story because of communication problems, because all telecommunications continues to be cut and, and intermittent throughout all of Gaza. Some people don't want to share their story for fear of retaliation by Israel and, and targeting because it's dangerous. Others feel like there's no point because they have been for four months and nothing has changed. Their reality has not changed. It's only gotten worse. So there's a number of reasons why you may never even see a story. And the ones that are getting to us are just an indication of the fact that so much more of that is happening behind the scenes. But there's more. Israel continued its besieging and attacks on multiple hospitals in Gaza, including Al Amal Hospital and Nasser Hospital, amongst others. And that bridge troll by the name of Daniela Weiss was interviewed by an Israeli news organization. And the reporter asked her, you know, you're kind of making it hard for us. Like all the things that you're saying are kind of, you know, maybe you should tone it down a little bit, you know, since the ICJ is like listening to us and watching us and you're kind of getting us into trouble with the ICJ. Like it's, it's things like the things you say. You know what she said in response? Tell them to leave us alone, those pompous frogs. What do they want from us? You know, when I see them, those judges sitting in their seats, I just see pompous frogs. And that's crazy because she really does look like a toad. <laughs> right. At the same time, we saw Israel and the occupied West Bank dress as nurses and doctors, right? They're, they're soldiers dressed as nurses and doctors. Go into a hospital in the occupied West Bank and execute three Palestinian youth who were in bed sleeping. One was being treated and receiving physical therapy. And the U.S. State Department goes, they have the right to, to chase Hamas. You're like, what are you talking about? So every Palestinian person is just Hamas now? First of all, there's no proof that these people are Hamas. Second of all, that's not how international humanitarian law works. If somebody's receiving treatment in a hospital bed, they're not a combatant. And there was no evidence in any event that these three youth were at any point ever. I don't know if you saw, but one of the assassins came in holding a wheelchair. Like he was, he was lifting a wheelchair. It's got wheels. What an idiot. And then you also had that completely deranged, completely senile individual by the name of Nancy Pelosi suggesting that people who want a ceasefire are Russian agents and the FBI should investigate. Meanwhile, the FBI released a statement that said we're not going to be investigating nonviolent instances of 
First Amendment speech. So no thanks. Yeah, they're like, we'll only be assassinating black radicals. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not, this is not, we're not doing this. It's a little below our pay grade, actually. Yeah. Also, Daniela Weiss, that settler bitch, she was also asked, like, you know, in an interview, you explain your thought process. And this is a quote from her. She said, people ask me, like, what's behind my thinking? You have to brainwash all the time because this is the only way to continue Zionism. Yeah, because it's a cult. It's Zionism is a cult. You have to be indoctrinated. And Mark Twain once said, it is easier to con a man than to convince him he has been conned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, picking back up on public opinion, according to a new survey published by AP News Agency, half of the adults in the United States believe that the occupation's military campaign in Gaza has gone too far. 15% of lunatics believe the occupation must go even harder. This is in the United States. Iceland's national football team coach, Aga Haredi, Haredi. Aga, some, Aga, I don't know how to say this man's name. Aga Haridi said, quote, I would prefer not to play against Israel, which killed 26,000 Palestinians. Pretty solid stance. I mentioned how Israel retaliated against Belgium in Gaza by destroying one of the buildings that was owned by the, the government. And Belgium was like, you're not going to fuck with Belgium. And then they were like, okay, you destroy our buildings. So we are now suspending two arms export licenses for an arms company shipping to Israel. And they cited the ICJ ruling as a justification. So people were saying they didn't see how the ICJ ruling was a win because it didn't change the material reality in Gaza. And what we were saying in the last episode was that there was no expectation that it actually could change the material reality in Gaza because Israel was always going to ignore it because it's always ignored everything because it's emboldened to act in defiance of international law. But what we said was that it was useful insofar as what it was going to do was create a new environment whereby now states have a justification, they have a basis for imposing sanctions on Israel by citing to the ICJ order and Israel's violation of it. And this now chain of events that's going to transpire from here is a chain of events which I think is very similar to the one that occurred during the fall of apartheid South Africa. Yes, it is the building of momentum, right? The accumulation of decisions, of actions, of agitation, all of it together working in concert that brings about the fall of the settler colony. And not just the settler colony in Palestine, but the settler colonies that exist everywhere, right? People in the United States in Turtle Island are being liberated mentally from settler colonialism. I saw a video of a woman who was like, I am not Jewish, I am not Palestinian, I didn't know anything about this few months ago, but I have been radically shifted in my view, and I will not allow for it to happen here or there. Nietzsche said, that which is falling should also be pushed, right? They are falling right now, and they're grasping at straws as they fall. But as they grasp, they're scratching the people who they did business with. And that's why you see Belgium suspend licenses. That's why you see the University of Michigan vote for divestment. It is the building of 
momentum. So we must keep our foot on the gas, right? We must agitate at all levels with high intensity. I understand we're all tired. We're all very sad. We're all very demoralized. But there are people in Gaza who are able to find joy. So how dare you sit on your phone in your apartment talking about, I'm depressed. Do something useful. Join Palestine Action. Or if you can't do it, if you're not able-bodied, if you are worried about getting arrested, that's fine. Donate. Not everybody needs to do everything, but everybody needs to do something. The Ugandan judge who voted against every provisional measure, she was just elected the vice president of the ICJ by her peers for a term of three years. Yeah, she was made vice president. I don't know if the vice president has any particular power or influence, but all, all of the comments are saying she traded her humanity for this position. Like she basically bought the position with, with her lone vote. Yeah, it wasn't her brilliant legal A's. Actually, her separate opinion was filled with totally garbled legal reasoning. I read it. It was actually just Harry Potter. <laughs> no, I, I have one other point that I want to make on this episode. Okay, hear me out. There, another consequence of the conversation about Israel now being inundated with references to genocide. This came out of a thread that I saw on, on Twitter. One of the commentators was making some similar point, but I really think it's worth emphasizing. And that is that for so many years, the conversation about Palestine and the conversation in particular about Israel's human rights violations was in many cases limited to a discussion of international humanitarian law i.e. Israel breaks the laws of war, i.e. Israel is engaged in an armed conflict with Palestinians. And yeah, it's true, sometimes they may not distinguish between civilians and combatants. And yeah, it's true, they may sometimes go a little overboard and not be proportional in their, uh, you know, uh, carrying out of these assaults. But, you know, these are just a collection of war crimes. It's just a collection of bad acts. And, you know, they just, sometimes they go a little overboard. The consequence of now the conversation having been shifted from armed conflict and the laws of war and this war crimes analysis to an analysis of genocide is that we are now allowed to have a discussion about intent because that's what distinguishes genocide from these other bad acts, right? Genocide requires intent. Once you start to have a conversation about intent, the fall of Zionism is not far away, right? Because before, what we weren't allowed to talk about was the why. Why is this happening? Like, we can, we can all see that it is happening, this bad act, but nobody was talking about why. And even in all of the human rights reports that we covered, you know, in 2021, 2022, remember Human Rights Watch, Amnesty, Beit Salem, the apartheid reports that would describe in detail the mechanics of Israel's apartheid regime? Remember the commentary that we made at the time when we covered them was that they're really great and detailed and factually robust when it comes to describing all the ways that Israel controls Palestinian life and bodies and imposes restrictions on us and deprives us of our human rights. But there's one thing that's missing from these reports is that they don't talk about the why. They don't mention Zionism. Not really. Not not in any like real sense. I mean, I think I did a control find for the word Zionism in all of these reports and it came up just like a couple of times, but it wasn't like a central feature of the analysis. That analysis now is unavoidable. Once you start to see all the genocidal intent, and you also start to be like, well, wait a minute, is this just like in response to October 7th or have they always been like this? 
they've sort of always been like this. Totally. Great point. Really astute analysis. A lot of the settlers are recognizing as well, and that leads to their departure. Let me read you some headlines. The Zionists are fleeing the occupation, driven by military failure, collapsing economy, genocide, and far-right extremism. 28% of Israelis considering leaving the country. Jews reverse immigration from Israel on the rise. The war with Hamas pushed many Israeli dual citizens to leave the country. It's like the Times of Israel, Middle East Monitor, CBS News, Haaretz. Over half of the surveyed respondents, 54% said they feared just the judicial overhaul. Yeah, remember the good old judicial overhaul? Yeah, remember when you guys were just mad at Netanyahu for fucking your court up? Let alone this whole genocide. Portuguese immigration services have announced that 21,000 Israelis have applied for citizenship since the beginning of the year, ranking first among other nationalities. Oh, wow. They're trying to become Portuguese? Right. They're trying to apply for citizenship elsewhere. Wow. Yes. Opinion, Haaretz, the Israelis who no longer buy into having no other country. They actually remembered that they have passports. Busy day for the airport of the occupation. Uh, February 4th reported 30,000 departures from Ben Gurion Airport, which means those folks who have other citizenship, who have other passports, they have stamps on those passports and they are headed out because they're not from there. They realize they don't actually want to die there. They have no connection there. They've been lied to and it's time to go home. This whole little experiment is over. It is Rhodesia. It will be a blip in the memory of history. 50 years from now, people will say the name Israel and people will be like, I heard of that one time. The earth is littered with the ruins of empires that once believed they were eternal. That's a quote from Percy Bysshe Shelley. According to the Occupations Broadcast Corporation, 3,000 IOF soldiers have undergone treatment in the Army's psychiatric department because apparently being a part of a genocide is actually not great for one's mental health, apparently. Obviously, we're playing the tiniest violin for them. Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where are we going with this? I don't, do we care? I don't care. Can I make one last point? This reminds me of when Mohammed al-Kurd was asked at a talk, what are you going to do with all the Jewish Israelis? You can just be like, they are leaving as they already are leaving. It's everyone presents it as this insurmountable reason why Palestinians should not have rights. But first of all, it's not a problem. You just don't do the apartheid. And then second of all, when the apartheid no longer exists, I bet you many will willingly pack a bag actually long before even. Just like they did in South Africa when you see the South African settlers who lost apartheid over there start colonizing the West Bank, throw on a yarmulke, convert to Judaism, and they're like, actually, we live here now. But that's such a great point where it's like people who are brainwashed will be like, why can't two million Gazans just go to Egypt? And then they'll be aghast at the idea that people who have dual citizenship go back to where they're from. Right. And stateless people who have no rights anywhere should just stay where they are and where they're 
entire lineage has been from for thousands of years. Seems easier to do that than uproot millions of people. Right. Anyway, that's probably a good place to end it. Folks, that's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That has been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have as good a day as you can. We can start telling people to join the Patreon. The show wouldn't be possible without a Patreon. You got to get on our Patreon. Support us on Patreon. You can, you know, because like I've been watching all these other podcasts and they just keep plugging Patreon like all the time. Yeah, I'm going to clip what you just did right now. (laughs) Okay.